What's up, everybody? It's Mike Cleansing from Head Start Basketball and the Hoop Heads Podcast. You're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Hello, everybody. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. I'm the head varsity girls basketball coach at Lake Oconee Academy on the lake in Greensboro, Georgia. I'd like a welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is episode number 36. Today we have a great guest. His name is Freddie Raykow from Central Valley High School, girls head varsity basketball coach in Spokane Valley, Washington. Coach Raykow coached high school basketball for the past 21 years. He served as a varsity assistant and JV coach for the first five years of his career at Central Valley High School. He was part of two state championships in 2001-2002. From there, he coached five years as a head coach at East Valley High School in Spokane. At East Valley, he took over a program that was 4-16 the previous season and lost their top two scores. In his time at East Valley, a five-year period, he was able to take them to the playoffs three of those years and to the state playoffs his fifth year the first time the program had ever gone to the state playoffs. After leaving East Valley, he headed back to Central Valley as a head coach, or he coached the past 11 years. At Central Valley, he inherited a team that had a record of 5-15 and 15 the prior season. Once he was able to implement his coaching philosophy and teach the players the importance of commitment, dedication, hard work, and perseverance, he was able to get the program turned around. While at Central Valley, his record has been 209 wins and 66 losses, with a state runner-up finish at state in 2012 and a state championship in 2016, with an undefeated record of 28-0, and 2018 with an undefeated 27-0 record. In 2017, he had a 52-game win streak, and after a quarterfinal loss that snapped that streak, we placed fourth with a 26-1 record, but bounced back and won 31 straight games. His teams over the past three years were 83-1 and 102-6 and and over the past four years. He has 255 wins in his career. He's won league, district, state, and Geico national titles in 2018 and was named the Max Preps National Champions. Here are some personal accomplishments from Coach Ray Cow. Washington State Girls Basketball Coaches Association Coach of the Year, Tacoma News Tribune Coach of the Year, USA Today Washington State Girls Basketball Coach of the Year, National Federation of High Schools Washington State Girls Basketball Coach of the Year. In addition, he was the Spokane U Sports Co Awards Coach of the Year and a great accomplishment hero who was the National Federation of High School Coaches Association National Coach of the Year. Here's a couple points that Coach Raycaw has mentioned. What he enjoys most about being a high school basketball coach is the opportunity to get, is <clears throat> to, get to work with my athletes while also teaching them many things that 
they will hopefully implement into their daily lives once they're beyond high school and beyond basketball. Some of the highlights for, for him is the time that he gets to spend with them to help them with their academic success, but also the opportunity he gets to teach them things that will hopefully help them be good teammates, parents, and most of all, productive citizens in their communities. Coaches, let's welcome Mr. Freddie Rakow. Hey everyone, this is John Beck with Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are now listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm doing great. Yeah, I sure appreciate you coming on. I know it's always great to have, speak to coaches that are in different parts of the country. I feel honored. Well, I feel honored that you'd even consider me one of those. <laughs> um, well, I sure appreciate you coming on. I gave an introduction um, already before the podcast and everything, and you got a great resume. And I really love your story, and I want you to share with us, you know, about your story and so forth. But uh, first of all, can you tell our listeners, and I, I, I'm fired up because I'm talking to a national high school coach of the year, man. I, this is pretty impressive. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it's uh, last year was uh, just a phenomenal year. We had such a great young group of ladies that uh, work extremely hard. And, uh, you know, anytime you got a group that uh, has the team chemistry, the work ethic, and the uh, uh, commitment and dedication that they had, it always makes us look good. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny how players – It's my, my teams are always so much better when I – yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, we had we had such a uh, interesting group. I mean, this uh, this team that I had uh, over the last uh, three or four years was just amazing group. I mean, uh, they were 83 and one over the last three years, two state championships, a national championship. But I think one of the the things that was most impressive that a lot of people didn't know about them was they were also a uh, two time state academic. Uh, champion and barely missed it last year uh, they finished second by just a small margin and uh, you know uh, when they're taking care of business off the court that just makes them even that much better on the court and uh, with their basketball IQ and their overall IQ just an amazing group yeah and there's definitely a correlation between academic success and on the court success don't you think absolutely you know and we we talk about that it's the small things that make the big difference and uh one of the biggest things we talked about was making sure that they took care of all the off-court stuff and when you're taking care of all the the off-court stuff the things on the court take care of themselves and uh when you have a group with like i said with a basketball iq and a regular iq like they had uh you know to be able to run 40 or 50 different sets uh, makes it really easy Wow. We run about four or five. Um, but you know, that's why I want to pick your brain, uh, on a lot of basketball stuff, coach, but, um, Hey, tell the listeners. Um, and I, I have a lot of coaches like myself. I, um, uh, you know, we, we've been coaching a long time and guys like me who love the game and I'm always learning. And I, I love to talk to coaches that have been successful at the, at the high school level, but let's be honest, coach. A lot of, lot of, I think your best coaches are coaches like you at the high school level. I'd rather listen to you and pick your brain than go to a big time coaches clinic. I learn more from great high school coaches, and believe me, there is a lot of them around the country. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I've been, you know, 
the benefactor of going to some of the big <laughs> Nike clinics and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you do pick up some of the, the little intricacies of the game and some little bit bits and pieces of, you know, nuggets of information uh, from those college <laughs> coaches. But uh, we, you know, we often realize that uh, those college coaches, they get a recruit from across the country. Uh, when you're a high school coach, <laughs> uh, you're working with the kids that, uh, that, that come to your school or that you, you know, basically you're playing with the cards that you've been dealt. And uh, some of the best clinics that I've been to have been some of the high school clinics where coaches we're all on the same page. You know, we understand, you know, not, not every single player is going to be a division one athlete. And so uh, those have been some of my favorite clinics. And, you know, I, I actually had an opportunity to speak at a click for the first time uh, back in September. And I'll tell you, it just, even being a presenter, I, I just felt privileged because I, I know how much, a clinic like that made a difference for me and my program. So uh, I, I absolutely uh, have nothing but a ton of respect and, uh, uh, you know, love for high school coaches because, you know, we don't always get to uh, uh, demonstrate what we really know, but we, we try to show them the best we can. Absolutely. And if you look, I, I tell you, I've, I've been very fortunate. Um, some of my best friends that I've spoken to on this podcast Guys like Doc Shepler from Pinewoods High School in Los Alto, you probably know him, um, has a nationally ranked program. The top coaches out here in Georgia that have won upteen state championships. I just love talking to you guys, man. I've always picked up one or two things that I can carry to my program here. And we have just, you know, we have smart kids, but you know, kind of average talent wise, but I can still learn from the greats like you guys. That's what I, I want to do through this podcast. Tell me about how you got started in coaching. What, what led you to become a basketball coach? What, what was your background? What led you to what you're doing now? You know, interesting, you know, when I was, when I was in high school, I had a really young high, uh, high school coach. I mean, I think he was about 22, 23 when he took over the head coaching job. <laughs> uh, and I was my junior year. And uh, this guy just had a, a tremendous amount of passion and love for the game. And, and it was kind of infectious, you know, and uh, our team, uh, we were a team that uh, was not good uh, the year before, but we had a group of guys that really just wanted to kind of put it together. And, and my junior and senior year, we did some things that uh, that, that school had never done before. And it, and it was, you know, I contribute that to just his passion and his, his tutelage. And then I, you know, as I went on, I didn't go play college ball anywhere, even though I wanted to, I was one of those, young maturing guys you know i mean i think when i graduated i was six one and about a hundred and maybe 55 pounds soaking wet and uh <laughs> just didn't get the opportunity but as time went on I, I just had that love for the game and then it was the craziest thing ever my wife who played uh, college basketball at the university of alaska anchorage uh i met her uh ended up uh we got married and uh back here in spokane washington uh, her high school coach asked her if she would be interested in doing any kind of volunteer coaching. And, and she's like, oh, I, I wouldn't mind, but my husband would really like to. And that was the start <laughs> of it. And that was in 1997. And I came back and I was a volunteer coach for the girls program. It was the first time I'd ever done any kind of coaching with the girls programs. And uh, the next uh, four years, I was a JV coach and, you know, I felt like my feet had gotten wet and I was ready to dive in. And I, I took a head coaching job at another school for five years. 
And uh, yeah, just it just kept snowballing from there. Uh, was able to take a t- program that was four and sixteen, uh, and had never been to state. Took them to uh, the state tournament, you know, in year five, and then uh, uh, kind of the dream job opened up for me where I ended up at Central Valley here in Spokane. And yeah, and that's that's where it all began. And it was a weird story because I I, I didn't think I'd ever get into coaching, to, uh, especially girls, but. Uh, once I got in there, it was just uh, something I, I just really loved and had a passion for. And, and uh, yeah, so 21 years later and, you know, this past year I stepped down. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about that because just from reading a lot of, you know, a lot of stories about you and your family, I thought it showed great humility for you to leave a championship program and, and I know you left it for the right reason. I know your son uh, has leukemia. Correct. Is that correct? And you had to make a tough decision. I admire that being that you're still young. And I, tell us about that, why you made that decision on that. I'm really impressed well, you know, by that. Uh, it was in 2016, we had just uh, won our, won my first state championship as a head coach after losing a heartbreaker in 2012. So in 2016, I just, uh, one state, the state tournament, uh, my son had just, uh, gone down on an unofficial visit and ended up getting a, uh, a full ride offer to, to BYU to play football. Uh, everything was just like, we were on top of the world. And then, uh, uh we had noticed my, my youngest son had been kind of, uh, struggling in his, uh, AAU basketball it just didn't seem like, uh, things were quite right. And so, uh, I, Right after the basketball tournament, uh, they'd gone down there. I, I had hip, kind of a hip uh, resurfacing, and uh, I'm laid up. And my son comes home from school one day, and he's just like, Dad, I can't breathe. And I'm like, you know, were you riding your bike too fast? He's like, no. He goes, I was going really slow. I just can't breathe. And uh, so we, we got him taken in, and we ran some blood tests. And uh, the very next day, I got a call from the hospital saying, or from the doctor's office telling us that we needed to get him down to Sacred Heart Children's Hospital immediately. And uh, that's when life uh, was put into perspective for us. You know, here we thought everything was just great. We're living the the high life, you know, the biggest moments of our lives. And he was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic uh, leukemia, T-cell. And Mm. uh, immediately we had to uh, basically check him into the hospital. They started running all the tests. They had to start uh, getting him on chemo. And... uh, yeah. Uh, and then talking to the doctor, you know, it literally, he basically told me that, uh, the fact that he was able to even walk in there was an amazing thing. Uh, but had we waited another day or two, we might not have been able to save him. And so that was kind of, uh, you know, here I went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and, uh, we battled and he battled and, you know, he's still to this day, he's my, my hero, but, uh, we kept battling. And then we come back in 2017 and uh, we make another run. We we run our winning streak up to 52. We get to the quarterfinals of state. And, you know, I'd been trying to hide just the pain and, and the, the difficulties of going through this as a family. Um, my, my wife had had to stop working. You know, she was uh, with him pretty much 24-7 uh, for the whole year. Mm. And uh, we lose. And I, I had an opportunity to talk to my kid, my players after that. I said, you know we're not going to let basketball define us. You know, it's, it's who we are, you know, and, and my son had 
really gone through that battle and he made the trip over with us. And it was the first time he had been out of Spokane uh, in, in literally almost a year. And just to see his tears and, uh, you know, we bounce back, we win the next two and then we run off the, the next year. And my, my players were just amazing young ladies. I mean, they visited him in the hospital. They kept him, uh, you know, at the, you know, just to keep fighting. And what eventually happened is, you know, we win, you know, I'm thinking, you know, they, life's great. I got six returners. Our entire program was 65 and oh, life's good. We're going to go back. We're going to do this again. <laughs> and, um, my son's make a wish trip came up and we went to Disney world and we were down there and I just, uh, you know, my wife had for two years, uh, had been pretty much out of work, just being with him, uh, kind of had lost her adult life. And, you know, my youngest one was battling. He's, he's, it's tough for him. My second youngest is kind of struggling. Uh, you know, he's doing great with school and everything, but just struggling with his, uh, with his brother, just trying to grasp, you know, how hard it is for him. And uh, we're down in Orlando. And I, I told my wife, I said, I'm done. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm done. I'm done coaching. I, I, I need to be home. I, you guys need me, but more importantly, I need you. I, I said, I'm tired of trying to balance uh, happiness with, with pain. And, and I said, it's, I, I've, you have sacrificed two basically two years of your life, it's time for you to get back to, to be in you and, and let me take, take that burden off. Of you. And from that point, it was as hard as it was. I knew it was the right decision. And I, I will tell you, even stepping down, I, I miss the kids. I miss my staff and I miss all the, the camaraderie and the, the, the games, but 100% I know it was right. Cause I, I haven't missed it like I thought it would. And I've told many people, I, I never said never. I didn't say I won't get back. But uh, uh, the, the <laughs> coolest part about it right now is uh, the team is there. They're hearing about an hour. They're going to play their first game over at State. Uh, they went 20 and three this year. And uh, or, I think, right. yeah, it's 20, 20 and three or 22 and three. And they're, they're getting ready to play uh, for today in the quarterfinals. So. Yeah, and you're and I yeah, and I that that is that's a great story and it says a lot about your priorities. And um I don't think as coaches we do enough of that, but I th- still think there's coaches like yourself who really who really set the example for the rest of us. And I I, I just think that's a great story. Your philosophy is we about me. You yeah, you live it's, that. It's, it's yeah, our my mantra for the <laughs> we, we before, before me. me. It's yeah, we before me. We before me. Yeah, you know, and it's like you know what once the, like some of the personal accolades started coming in, I was like, that's not what I ever did this for. And I, and I never want anybody to ever think that because it was always about the team first. And it's, and for me, and I, I've shared this with others, you know, with our family, uh, you know, and, and it's something that we've heard from, you know, someone in our, in, in church is basically this, there is no, no amount of success that will ever compensate for failure in the home. And for me, it was we before me, and that's what it came down to is uh, you can't just talk it. You have to live it. You got to live it. Yeah, I love that. And a lot of my, you know, a lot of our, my listeners are coaches just like myself, and um, I love seeing what makes you guys tick. All the all these coaches at the highest level, um, you guys are doing something that's different. A lot of people don't realize. They all think it's about talent. 
but uh, I want to really pick your brain on some of the things that you're doing with your program, if you don't mind. Um, you took over Central Valley when they were struggling at 5-15 and 15 in 2007. Correct. Is that correct? Coaches. And now, you, you know, they're now, you know, a national prominent state championship. What are, what are your core beliefs in your program? What – and I know you said we before me. Tell me some of the things that you do to get your team to that well, level. I think the first and foremost thing is that I did when I went in was establish that no one will outwork us ever. Uh, you know, uh, my practices, I, I run them like college practices. Uh, some people would even agree, you know, I've got a couple of kids that are down at Stanford right now and they'll tell you that my practices were probably harder than some of theirs, but, uh, we <laughs> really emphasized, uh, team basketball. I mean, I had two players last year that, uh, twins, uh, Lacey and Lexi Hall that, uh, graduated. They're playing at Stanford now. Uh, these are two young ladies that could have both easily averaged over 25 points a game, uh, Lexi averaged 20 was a two-time Gatorade player of the year. Lacey uh, averaged about 10 points a game, but was a stat stuffer. Uh, I had three division one players on that team. And the craziest part about it is they bought into the idea that it does not matter who is scoring as long as we're, we're scoring, you know, it kind of goes back to uh, we're going to, we're going to take care of this as a team. There's no individual above the team. And I've, I've had both, I've had, uh, Lexi Hall, and then I had a, a, a player, Madison Hovern, who's playing at Army at West Point right now, and is their second all-time leading scorer there now. And uh, <clears throat> regardless of who they were, we would never compromise our team success for an individual. Then, and, and that was the, one of the core beliefs was uh, no individual is above the team, and so we're going to work and we're going to work together. If somebody's not making that extra pass or somebody's not in help defense, then we're not doing what we've agreed to do. So I think that was one of my core beliefs was, uh, you know, it'll always be the team first, regardless. I, I don't care whether you're, I don't care if you're a person that scores 40 points a game in your AAU, you're coming into our program. We are a team and you'll, you'll get your points through, through your hard work and through the system. And then I think the one that we really hung our hat on was defense. Our, our team, uh, teams the last three years, uh, in 2016, uh, we gave up, I think it was 30 points a game. Uh, in 2017, we gave up mm. 28 points a game. And then last year, uh, up until the Nationals, we had held opponents to 24 points a game. And so. Yeah, that's no, not too shabby. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. As coaches, <laughs> we always talk about, okay, we want to. Uh, hold a team under double digits every every quarter you know and that that was great uh and what was crazy was last year in the state playoffs in a, in a quarterfinal game uh we go into halftime we're up 35 to 16 on a team we go out and I said okay we really want to tighten down the defense uh little did I know that they were going to pull off one of the things that I've never seen as a coach they shut out a team <coughs> excuse me in the quarterfinals of a state tournament they held them scoreless for the entire second half and beat them 61, 16. Uh, wow. Their yeah. comment, their comment to me <laughs> in the locker room was coach, we got the defense. We'll take care of business. Uh, I got you. All right, let's do it. Uh, and then, you know, in the state championship game, we went into halftime up by, I think it was 41 to 12 or 39 to 12 in the state championship game. And that's just the way they played defense. And so core beliefs were, you know, Team over individual, uh, defense, 
And then I think, I think the biggest one of all, you know, for us was regardless of the outcome, uh, we're, we're always going to be, you know, together. And, and I thought that was something that was really important. And, and my players showed me that by, uh, being here for my family when, when my, my son needed them the most and I needed them the most. Yeah, I love that. And let me, let me, um, do you believe that your team, because a lot of times people say, you know, with these teams that win the national, these national championships that, oh, they just have tremendous talent. Just from studying your program, you've had some good players, but it's always the intangibles, right? I mean, don't you feel, people think that these national championship teams are loaded with great players. And yes, you probably were. But I, I sense some other things that you guys, a lot of the intangibles you're talking about. Yeah, we did a lot of things. You know, I mean, for me, chemistry, a team without chemistry is, is it's going to be very difficult for them to reach the very top. I've said that, you know, the two state championships we had, team chemistry was off the charts ridiculous. Uh, when we went to nationals, we on paper were definitely not favored to win over Westlake of Georgia or Hamilton Heights of Tennessee. There's no way anybody w- would have even given us a chance against either one of them. The intangible that we had going against both of those teams were last year, especially our kids had a chip on their shoulder for, from getting beat in 2017. And, and I'm, I'm a, a huge advocate for, te- you know, telling people that our biggest success has come from our, uh, you know, from some of our our, our de- biggest defeats. And I think that loss kind of uh, gave us that little extra work ethic. And our bench, and this is what's crazy. So this year our team's doing what they're doing because of last year. Because every day they battled each other. And, and some of our toughest games were in practice. And I and I think, I think some of the mm-hmm. things that coaches sometimes forget is you have to <laughs> develop your, your, your other role players. You can't just say, well, I've got my starters and then I'll throw those kids in when they get in trouble. You know, by us having so many games the last couple of years that were honestly, they were blowouts and could have been really, really bad. But what we did is we said, okay, we're up, we're up 15, 20. We're going to, you know, our bench players are going to get a lot of time. Our, in the state championship game, our, our bench, no, not a single person on our bench played less than nine minutes of the state championship game. And, we tried to develop them to a point where they would be ready for their time. And, and I think sometimes coaches overlook that, oh, they're, they're not a starter, so they don't have to work as hard. That's not our philosophy. Our philosophy was you're a part of something special, so you're going to work like you want to be special. And I think that's, that's a huge, huge thing that uh, propelled us and probably gave us that edge on some of those other teams is our kids didn't go in thinking that, well, I'm going division one here. I'm going here. My two kids that went to Stanford and my other one that went to Idaho, they didn't see themselves any better than anybody else on that team. And that was, that's, that's hard to do in a program, but when you develop your, you know, your kids and you try to get your program to that level, 65 and 0 as a program and not one kid in that program thought they were better than anybody else, whether you were on varsity or freshman team. And I think that's, that's what a program is supposed to look like. Yeah. And, and when you came in, what did you see? Did you see like this great 
you know, how you come in and say, oh, man, I got we got some great young players. What did you see? Did you envision this when you came in, this type of program where it ended um, up? You, no, I don't, I don't think you ever quite see it like that. I mean, it had a tradition before me. Uh, when I was an assistant coach, the, the head coach, Dale Poffinroth, he, he had won a couple of state championships while I was there as an assistant. And uh, so we, it kind of had a little bit of tradition with that. Uh, but it had kind of fallen off for the, like the next five, six, seven years. And uh, for me, it was, I, I knew I had a couple of kids coming in. Uh, what I didn't uh, realize was how many kids, uh, uh, you know, surrounding that group would come in and work just as hard, if not harder and, and develop into the, the big group that it, it ended up doing. Um, so, I, I mean, I could envision us giving it, getting, or, you know, making a couple of runs at state, but, Oh my goodness! To to do what we did the last uh, three years, <laughs> I there's no way. I I don't think there's very many coaches that, and you know we did. We lost one game in in 84 games, and that one game we lost by one point, and we missed free throws uh, in that game and, and gave up an easy bucket. And if not, who knows? It could have been 84 and 0, and, and actually, they they rolled it over into the the next season a little bit too. But I don't think as a coach you you'd love to see those numbers, but but it's kind of a, a once in a generation right. run. However, uh, to see them go back like I knew they would this year, uh, that that makes it amazing because the the senior players who who they have now, uh, two of the guards were on that uh, one of you know as a freshman all the way through. I think their overall record now is like a hundred and three and four in those four years. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And I, I have a good friend. You might even know him, Gene Durden, who coaches at Buford High School out here. He's, he, to me, he's, he's one of the best coaches in the country. You know, six state championships. That, I mean, they actually played Westlake this year and lost to him because <laughs> uh, I know Westlake is probably going to uh, run away with it this year. Um, he does What he does, though, he, he has such a great feeder system. And he's got kids coming up, and every year they're consistently good. What did you do to develop your feeder system and to get your, like you said, your role players highly skilled, like the other girls? What 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 do you do? What's your you know, secret? We we're very we definitely uh, benefit from a lot of our uh, AAU and club ball that we have around here. Uh, and what rare uh, can't even speak. Really what benefited us <laughs> was the fact that uh, we're not like some of the programs that have all these kids that uh, they go out and recruit and stuff like that. <laughs> the kids we have, they played together from, you know, fourth grade on. And so they they knew how That's to great. play together. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, especially like with the last year's senior group, I had some, uh, you know, parents that did a great job uh, kind of, getting them to the point where they were high school ready. Once I got them into the high school, then all of a sudden I was able to start implementing, uh, you know, my offensive and defensive philosophies, uh, really uh, helping them dial in on what it would take to get to the next level. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I mean, almost the, the, the view point that I would take was to be almost like a college level coach. All right a lot of development has happened. Now I'm going to bring you in and we're going to work you harder than you've worked before. And you, you're going to become some of the best players in this area period. And, and that's what happened. It, I was fortunate enough to get some of those kids who've had a lot of training, but 
the best part was actually getting to see them uh, uh, develop uh, under my tutelage as far as uh, getting faster, getting quicker, you know, being more, uh, being able to execute. And that's, that's kind of what we were able to display when we went to New York last year for the, uh, the Geico national was we were by far the best execute, you know, executing and defensive team. We were able to move the ball like nobody else could. And, and so that was kind of the payoff for that, but we're just our area um, here in Spokane. We've had, I want to say it's like 15 of the last 18 state championship games. We've had somebody from our, our league in that mm. tournament. Yeah, you're kind of a – I mean, it's almost like certain areas of Tennessee and Georgia where it's just a hot – it sounds like it's a hotbed, yeah, yeah. right? It's a hotbed of girls' yeah, basketball. we've got some good teams here. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've got some good teams here in the state of Washington. <laughs> and I think that's one of the problems that uh, – why a lot of us here in Washington don't get a lot of uh, recognition is because uh, for the longest time, at least in, in our area, our league schedule was 20 games and the, the Washington interscholastic athletic association would only give us 20 games. And so when you're, when you have 20 league games, you couldn't go outside and show <laughs> anybody what you have. So I think, yeah. you know, now that we've gotten out, people are like, Holy smokes, where did they come from? It's like, ah, we've been here. <laughs> We're just, just a little <laughs> small place in Spokane. So <laughs> And that's what I love, coaches, is we all get kind of caught up in our own areas. But, man, there's great girls basketball around the country. I mean, and uh, I would love to kind of go around and see more of these national tournaments. Uh, we have a lot of great programs out here, but there's a lot of great programs like in Spokane, your Washington area, Texas, Tennessee. I spoke to a, a great coach in Tennessee. I mean, there's hotbeds in Tennessee. I mean, there's hotbeds everywhere. Girls basketball is alive, Absolutely. don't you think? It's it's taken off, you know. I mean, I, I grew up in Texas, and I, I remember, uh, yeah, you just didn't watch a whole lot of girls basketball. But now, I mean, you've got some just amazing athletes, amazing programs. And, and that's what I thought was really cool being able to go to New York was, you know, I, I got to see, uh, you know, Westlake. I got to see Hamilton Heights. I got to see Winter Haven. I'm like, this is cool. I mean, you get to see some of the best teams, and and there was many more that were weren't able to go because of their, you know, um, athletic associations in their states. You know, it would have been nice to see an archbishop, right. uh, many, many to see where they're, where we ranked with them. You know, but you know, it, like I said when we went there, people are like, well, not all the best teams are here. I'm like, well, we're here. That's all that matters to us. Whoever you put in front of us, that's who we're playing. And other, and if they're not here. That's not our fault. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm very familiar with Mitty. I grew up in San Jose, California. Uh, that's where I'm from, and that's where Mitty is. Actually, I I live near the school there, and I um and there's a great program out there. Like I mentioned, Pinewood, yep. um, who's an unbelievable program. They remind me of you guys. I'm telling you, just from kind of looking at you guys and kind of they remind me. You guys seem very similar kind of unselfish kids who are very skilled. You guys seem very skilled. How do you get your players so skilled? Uh, you know, a lot of it's just your practice uh, habits. I mean, there's a lot There's a lot of <clears throat> schools, and I know this for a fact, a lot of schools, a lot of coaches, <clears throat> that they think just going up and down is going to get you ready. And I'm sorry, you you got to get your kids in there. You Your drills need to, to be able to tie into your 
your offensive sets, whatever you're running. You need to be able to teach the kids how to uh, understand when to hedge, you know, whether to ice. You know, you got to be able to, you know, when you're talking defensively, you know, where's our help side defense? And and we did a lot of drills that uh, we would do a lot of disadvantage drills where it's, you know, four on five, four on six. Uh, and basically we made practice harder than the game just so when they got into the game, they're going, really, this is what we, this is all we're going to have to face. Let's go. And so it was kind of, kind of fun to watch that, uh, you know, to see them actually uh, take off from that point. Do you feel like, what are your top skills that you teach? Would you say um, it's, you know, shooting, passing, catching, um, ball handling, uh, rebounding. What are some of your top skills? Because we can't emphasize yeah, everything, I, right, Coach? I mean, what 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 do you what do you uh, focus for me on? Personally, uh, defense and transition were uh, two of my my main focus areas. I always felt like the the with our teams, uh, we would let our defense turn into our best offense, and just being a kind of a, a student of the game, you know, I really what I would do is uh, oftentimes offensively. I would look to – I'd find plays, stuff like that. But then I would, I would look at it and say, if we can't defend it, then we're going to run it. And so that's what I, how I kind of developed a lot of my offensive uh, system was uh, I would find, find plays and then I would tweak them to where I couldn't stop them. And then I would have a, a, at least one to two counters off of those plays. And so fortunately for me, I had a great group that was able to, you know, honestly – uh, we would run anywhere between 40 to 50 sets in a year. If you, you know, when you're talking, you know, man, uh, you know, zone, uh, you know, our press breaks, everything. we, we had everything kind of developed. And uh, this past year, or even uh, this will give you an example of what I'm talking about, as far as just trying to find something I can't defend or attack uh, this past year, I, my team ran a two, three, three quarter uh, court press. Nobody, you know, nobody runs, you know, <laughs> somebody would say, well, that's a two, one, two or a two, two. No, we ran it exactly like a two, three press or like a two, three zone. We put the two up front. We put the three at the half court. Everybody's like, well, what about over the top? If you get it over the top of us, you deserve it, but it's not going to happen. And, and the reason I went. So where'd you pick up? You picked up at uh, half we, court. We picked it up at three quarter court. I might. Three quarter court. I got you. Would be right yeah. there at the free throw line. And then my, my back three would be at the half court. And what we did is we taught them zone rotation. And basically we turned it into a, almost a matchup. We took away middle. And if, if they went into a trap area, we trapped. If not, we just made them throw it over the top. And we were so quick and so long that we were able to, to, to steal them. And I, I remember coach came and said, how in the heck do you run a two, three press? And I go, well, here's why, or here's how we do it. We don't do it to get steals. We get it to make you slow down and make you have to think. And if you're thinking about how to break our, our little soft press, then you're not thinking about scoring on us. And therefore, we're going we're gonna to take advantage of it. And that's what we did. We got so many turnovers. And we, as a team, we used to laugh sometimes. We're like, Coach, we're not even pressing hard. I'm like, I know. It's not they're, – they're just freaking out because they don't know – what's what they're running against and you know some teams figured it out at nationals they figured it out but by that point we were able to get off to a pretty good start yeah it's just a little different look as a matter of fact it's funny you say that we um we run what we call our blitz package it's a two three half court 
And I tell you, we created so many issues because our, our strength is our guards and we had quick guards and so forth, but it was just a different look. It's almost like what you're saying that teams really could not get their offensive offensive set started. It, it was the weirdest thing. And I probably didn't use it enough because um, I like to get into the full court pressure type stuff. I probably should have used it more. Uh, now you even you even sold me on using that. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I got to get a little video. You got to send me a little video of that, Coach, because I would love yeah, to I'm see it. I'm telling you, it's, it's, not, it's nothing crazy. We're not, we're not like blitzing anybody. Uh, you just you're basically just sl- slowing it, making them reverse. Take because we have a shot clock here in Washington, so uh, thirty. So we, we oh, have a thirty cool. second yeah. shot clock. So we figure, hey, if you want to spend 10, 15 seconds on the backcourt, feel free. That means you got fifteen seconds to try to score against us, and that in a half court game, uh, good luck. And that's that was just kind of our mentality, and and I, and I think that that really came from our practices. Like I said, you know, we we worked hard on what we did, and our kind of our goal was to not be good, but be, to be great at whatever we did. And, and I was blessed to have, you know, great athletes, and, but better than that, just great kids. Yeah. It sounds like you had, you said you had a little bit of length too. Look, um, you, we had some pretty good size girls that can move a little bit yeah, with some so, length. I mean, my team was, well, it's kind of funny cause I say that, but three, three of them had length and two didn't. So my guards, my uh, my starting point guard was about I'll give her five seven at best, uh, but soccer played yeah. uh, <clears throat> plays on the defensive side in soccer, uh, really good lateral movement, uh, kind of our lockdown lockdown defender, right. uh, knows how to handle the ball. I mean, not not like quick handles or anything like that. But in twenty nine games last year, she had sixteen turnovers in our in our transition game mm. type offense. Yeah. Uh, my two guard was about five four. Uh, but could spot up and knock down the open shots. And, and she was also just kind of a, uh, not, not super quick, but a good lockdown defender that just probably took more charges than anybody on the team. And then my, uh, my other three, I had the, uh, the twins, Lacey and Lexi. Uh, they're six, one and basically six, two. Uh, but both of them run track. Uh, I mean, we're talking the 400 meters, 800 meters. They, they're, they, yeah, they for sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, long wingspan, and they they just they're just all over the place. And then my uh, my post, we listed her at six foot, uh, but in all honesty, she's probably about five ten and a half. <laughs> and but with her wingspan, she played about six three. Uh, she just had a super. Yeah, she played uh, taller. Super long yeah. uh, wingspan. And <laughs> she was the state. Uh, I think she finished second in state in the high jump with about a five, six high jump and uh, just great timing. I mean, she's a, a kid that could play behind. Well, she played the, against uh, the, the girl from Hamilton Heights, who was six, seven, and she could play behind her and still be able to, to get around them for steals and to even block shots. You know, it says a lot about multiple sport athletes, right? Coach track. I mean, if all my girls were track and soccer players, we'd be just like you guys. I mean, I mean, seriously, if you think about it, those two sports really help out basketball Absolutely. players. And, and I'm, I'm a huge advocate for multi-sport athletes and the girls knew that. I mean, uh, my, the twins, they played uh, volleyball their freshman and sophomore year, didn't play their junior year, senior year. They're like, what should I do? I go back and play volleyball, have fun. And I mean, and they did, they went back and played sure. volleyball. 
And uh, yeah, I, I think on our team this past year, I think we only had maybe uh, two or three girls that didn't play another sport, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of that uh, just kind of transfers over, you know, when you're looking at soccer players, that lateral movement, the quick foot, footwork, uh, being able to recognize, you know, passing lanes, uh, track, you know, that speed and being able to get, get down the floor and cut, speed, cut teams yeah. off from getting to where they want to be. So we did a lot of, a lot of alley drills, you know, zigzag drills. Uh, and we just did yeah. a lot of full court uh, defensive transition. And that basically transferred into teams, just not being able to really get out and break on us. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I think defensive transition is the most undertaught skill. I think your best teams definitely don't give up any easy baskets. Um, Coach, tell me about your practices. I want to know – I always want to know what do the best – how do they practice? Are you more of a drill coach or more – because I know a lot of great coaches that are, might not be drill coaches. They play a lot of five-on-five, but they really – emphasize what do you do in your practice I do a lot of drills and when I say a lot of drills I mean we would just kind of give you an overview of a typical practice for us uh you know we'll have our girls come in uh pre-practice uh they'll have kind of assigned stuff to do you know whether it's uh you know some shooting or some uh you know entry passing whatever uh from there we go into our kind of our warm-up stretches from from the stretches we go straight into um, our transition. Uh, I always start my drills with uh, transition or my practices with transition drills because I, I always feel like if, if you're going to do it, you need to teach it and you need to do it often. And with us being a fast breaking right. team, I had a drill that I call the Carolina break series and it was a, a broken down into four different uh, drills within that eight minute period. And we would, so for the first eight minutes, we would hit that hard. And so uh, the girls knew that, okay, once we get stretched and once, once that clock is set, we got eight minutes and we're going hard. And to a point where I think only twice I had to say, go back to the locker room and come back out when you're ready to go. Cause we're not, we're, we can't start like this. Uh, you know, slow start in sure. practice means slow, slow start in games. And we're not going to do that. And they got it. I mean, they, they, we didn't have to say anything. I just say, hit the locker room. My seniors would take them in there and say, can't do this. This isn't how we practice. We don't want a repeat of last year. And so we would do that. We do transition from there. We would generally go from transition to our defensive drills because uh, I mean, transition and defense were my two main emphasis. So I uh, would always start practice with, with those from there. Uh, then we would go into free. We a lot of free throw shooting, you know, in, in my uh, 11 years at central Valley, uh, we still have two of the highest national uh, free throw percentages as a team. Uh, one year, I think we were 77 point something and another year, so 76. Mm. Uh, you, if you're going to be a team that gets to the line, you need to make those. Those are points that you can't be given up. So we spent a lot of time on free throws. We did a lot of time on what we called a move and shoot drill. You know, two people, one ball, three people, two balls, uh, just moving. Uh, and, and the rule was you can't be walking through the motions. It had to be, uh, you know, at a quick pace so that you're, you should be tired. You should be having a hard time breathing by the time you're done with it. And so from there, that's when we would then go into uh, maybe some of our offensive sets. We would go through our offenses. When you have as many sets as we did, uh, we wouldn't go through all, all 30 or 40 or 50 of them. What we do is 
uh, you know, maybe on one day, depending on the team we were playing, okay, we know these, these six sets are going to be the best. So we're going to run these six sets, uh, you know, for the next 10, 15 minutes. And then from that point, uh, it also gave us a chance to really work our defense. Uh, so, you know, the rule is, you know, you've got to play it just like you're in the game because you're, sh you're showing me you want to get into the game. So if you can stop us, I know you can stop them. And so we would see um, some very intense defense during that time. And then, of course, uh, I had drill or kind of uh, different uh, competition games, act drills that uh, would push the kids. I mean, we had a, a drill called like a warrior defense where it's five on five, but you can only score on a defensive stop or a deflection. And so mm. what, what would happen is I would, I would pass the ball to someone. It's five on five. If they get a deflection, that, that team gets a point. There was five minutes on the clock. Whoever led after five wins, the losing team, uh, we let them pick their own. We called it privileges. We didn't call it punishment because that's – you're not being punished. You're get, it's you're getting the privilege of getting better, and so right. I love that. Really I love cool that. Good point. Our, uh, the team that would win, they'd be like, "All right, one down and back sprint," and then they would jump in with them. It wasn't like you lost, so you have to do it. We we're not going to do it. Whatever the <laughs> privilege was, uh, that 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 comes with that team chemistry and your leaders. They're going, we'll do it with you because right. we want that privilege. We won, but we want the privilege that you're getting. And uh, so we would do some of those drills. And then towards the end of practice, uh, we would kind of go make sure we, we went through any kind of press stuff, press break if we needed it. Uh, but what the one thing I did that it probably took me 15 years to figure this out. And, and I don't know why it took me so long. I don't know how many, I don't know how many coaches <laughs> finished practice running lines or we're shooting free throws. And if you miss, you're running. Uh, it was always that end of the practice running. And uh, about five years ago, I said, no more. This is the last thing those kids ever get to remember when they walk into the locker room, they're going to remember that they had to run and in a, in a negative sense. And so I would finish every practice with, uh, some type of positive, I called it skeleton offense. Uh, we'd just throw a ball up, and it'd be five on O. Oh, they'd go down, run through about three or four plays, and then the next group would jump on. And we, we just kind of finished it with that. And then we, we would have some, – some nights we would have uh, what we call our, our fun games. And so we'd finish our skeleton drill, and then we'd say, okay, today we're going to play football, which is like, old, you know, ultimate Frisbee with a, with a basketball. You can pass, you can pass, right. but you can't dribble, you can't take steps, or it's traveling. If it gets deflected, it goes the other way. And, you know, the baseline to baseline was end zones. And we just had fun. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, fun's important. And I, I don't know, I don't think they utilize fun enough. On the girls' side, that's where I think us girls' coaches are a lot smarter. I'm telling you, because on the boys' side, I don't think they think like like us girls coaches. I just think, particularly on the girls' side, you better have some fun in your practice, don't well, you think? For sure. Somewhere. You know, I, I, I have uh, two older boys, and they, I can't tell you how many times they're like, man, the last thing we had to do, we had to run, you know, six sets of lines. We had to go, <laughs> exactly. Like, 
Well, that kind yeah. of stocks, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, and they were really jealous because, I mean, both my boys were, uh, you know, I mean, very, very blessed. And, I mean, all leaguers. And, and, uh, and I remember my son coming home one day and he's like, Dad, I just, want, I, I just wish you were our coach because even, even when you condition, <laughs> he goes, your conditioning, and, and, and this is so true, he goes, all, he goes 90, 95% of your conditioning is in, your, in the drills that you're doing. And he goes, the one that's the only couple that you don't do, everybody knows what to expect. So it, it's, it's not that bad. I'm like, yeah, there's no reason to hide what I want from my players. And, and so that, that was something that kind of stuck, stuck with me was, was when my own son got like, Dude, I want to go through your conditioning because <laughs> it involves a ball and defense. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it does sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, your top level coaches are doing that. I don't know where I learned that a long time ago. But, yeah, you condition with the ball. You condition where the kids do not know that they're conditioning. Right, Coach? I mean – they don't know they're doing it, but they are. They're probably hey, getting hey, more you know, at it. I, I'm a coach that I post my practice plan right on the wall, and I told and and, and I put it up there, and it, they'll see a conditioning drill in there, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, we got 25 second run at four o'clock," and 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 I and I told them I was like, "Hey, that practice plan's up there because there's no reason for you not to know what we're doing. However, the first time you don't do it at your full, you know, at, at your full capacity." then that tells me you can't handle the responsibility of that, that practice plan being on the wall. And I'll tell you what, the kids would look at me and they're like, conditioning in five minutes, right, coach? I'm like, yep. They're like, we're ready. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> it's, that's all I need to hear. I don't, I don't need to hear any whining. I don't need to hear anybody kind of dragging. And they, it, it was just I, – I, I really had to teach this to some of my, my younger coaches, and they were awesome because they're both – you know, they, my JV and freshman coach are – both have aspirations of being a head coach at some point. And I told him, I said, expect what you tolerate. If you are going to let your kids not work hard or you're just going to let them kind of run the show, then when that happens in a game, don't come whining to me that they're not doing what you asked them. Because I said, these kids, they want leadership. And if you can't lead, then you shouldn't be in that position because these are great kids and they want to be successful. However, we got to teach them that you don't just, you, you know, success doesn't fall at your footstep. Right. Success is definitely a choice. No doubt about that. Um, coach, I, I mean, I, I mean, you're, you're, I tell you, you're really helping out not only me, but all the coaches that are going to be listening to this. I do want to ask you a question about Gonzaga uh, because a lot of, I know Mark Few is one of my favorite coaches, but what a lot of people don't realize is Gonzaga women's basketball, and how close are you to Gonzaga in your area? Well, I, I, I'll do the first favor for you here because the rest of the nation always has a hard time pronouncing it. It's actually Gonzaga. <laughs> Gonzaga. <laughs> yes. I, I love that. Yeah, I got to say it right. I tell you, you know I'm not from that area. I know. I know. You know it's just like other people. You know, different areas, but I, we all up here in Spokane, we get a kick out of it because everybody says Gonzaga and it's like, no, it's like Zag, Gonzaga. They're the Zag. Zag. I'll tell you what, um, their <laughs> women's program, uh, Coach uh, Lisa Fortier is doing a great job. You know, she took over for Kelly Graves when Kelly Graves went to the University of Oregon. And he, Morgan, he's doing yeah, great yeah. things there. And I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've been 
really blessed to know both of them uh, extremely well. And uh, I think what, what they've been able to do both on the men's and women's side here in Spokane is just put Spokane on the map as far as basketball. They're, they're starting to, you know, Gonzaga does a good job of getting some of the local kids uh, that, that can go out and display what they can do. Uh, but it's just uh, Spokane is truly a hotbed for basketball. And, and so, I, I mean, when you think about it, you know, you got your Carolinas and they do all their stuff and you, you get, yeah, you know, SEC football. I'm telling you here in Spokane, uh, people love their Gonzaga basketball, Gonzaga women's basketball. The McCarthy Athletic Center holds about 6,000 people and they sell that out almost every single game. <laughs> that that's that's yeah, more yeah. i think there's only like two other division one schools that ha, uh, that have a higher uh, attendance rate uh than gonzaga does on the women's side and that that includes your stanford yeah, probably, UConn's, all of them yeah so mate well tennessee used to but not any <laughs> tennessee's really dropped off the map uh unfortunately that's yeah, pretty sad to see but, but I also saw that um, a kid by the name of Laura Stockton, John Stockton's daughter's a player. Yeah, you know, I've, I had the, the, I guess the fortune, <laughs> I don't know, they, they kicked my butt a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he, had, he had two daughters go through Gonzaga Prep, which is, uh, in, it, which is actually yeah. in our league. So I've gotten to, to know John and his, his family pretty well. But, he, uh, yeah, amazing athletes. Uh, Laura does a great job. She's a, just as tough as nails. Uh, defender kind of a you know she's got the the Stockton fight in her and she she does a great job for Gonzaga yeah. her sister actually played at Montana State and did a great job as well but yeah Laura was part of their back-to-back state championships here in Washington and so uh yeah I mean they got a good one there I, I remember a couple coaches you know Kelly Graves was actually one of them he's like what do you think about her and I was like I'd much rather have her on my team than against me that's all I'm saying <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talk about a bloodline of athletes. I mean, everybody talks about Rick Barry's sons and all that. I mean, John Stockton has some really some kids that can absolutely, absolutely play, including his, uh, what he had two sons or uh, one son, I think. It, well, he has, I think three older boys and one younger boy. That's his, his younger boy is going through Gonzaga prep right now. Oh man. So. <laughs> That'd be a good program to work for right there. man. <laughs> Sounds like they sound like they have a great program there. Yeah, it's it's, it's a private <clears throat> Jesuit school, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, John went there himself, and uh, so his kids have gone there. And John actually, when his daughters played, actually was a uh, actually after his retirement was an assistant coach there for a little while. Right, right. Yeah, talk about one of the great. He's he's my all time favorite. I grew up with him, just watching him. Um, talk about. One of, the, one of the, I mean, you talk about great point guards. His name is not on the list, but yeah, he's on he's, my he list. He should be on every list because he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> and he's really yeah, hey, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it sounds like a great person. Um, hey, I know you got to get going. I just have, I just have a, a couple questions for you to kind of finish it out. Um, I love rebounding. Matter of fact, most coaches, I. compete rebounding wise i mean what do you think about i'm sorry you, you broke up really bad on that okay uh can you hear me okay now yes uh rebounding 
Um, I know at the girls' level, girls can't shoot uh, consistently. Rebounding to me is huge. How do you all teach rebounding your program? Uh, we teach it through drills. And I'll tell you, you know, and I think part of that comes through, like I was talking about, some of the, uh, the disadvantaged drills we'll do. Uh, but with rebounding, it, 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 a lot of it is just, uh, you know, we would have drills specific for that and uh, making sure that uh, we're locating, we're making contact, we're holding contact, we're exploding for rebounds. Uh, you know, so we spent a lot of time just ma- basically saying, here's, here's what we need to be looking for. You know, a shot goes up on this side. Where are the, you know, possibilities of it going? You know, most of the time. Uh, you know, long shots, long rebounds, you know, if it's shorter shot, get in position, don't let them get it back. And so, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time just really uh, working on um, the desire to rebound, because I think that's where the the biggest deficit is, is most people just don't, uh, everybody wants to shoot, but nobody wants to go get a rebound. And so what we try to do is tell our kids, hey, you want to be a good scorer? Here's, here's an easy way to do that. If you score, absolutely, if you score, four points every quarter that's 16 points uh, average that you'll have so think about it this way you get two rebounds and two putbacks in one quarter that's four points a quarter you're averaging 16 points without even taking a shot outside and so that kind of helped them understand oh okay i don't really have to be shooting threes and doing all the outside if i just work hard and get the rebounds and put put them back i'm gonna get points easy yeah and every shot is an opportunity to score absolutely and, and I, I don't think – and I know I have to do a better job of that. Um, but uh, that's, that's, that's a great point, Coach. Are you more on technique or just go get it? Well, for me, it, it, you know, early on I think in my career it was about technique. And then uh, as I went along, you know, the bottom line is go get the ball. You know, don't, don't give them an extra shot because I, I don't know where I saw it at one point, but I, I kind of threw it out there and shared it with our kids. I was like, you know, Generally, most of the time, teams are going to score about 30% of the time on the first shot. And then the second shot, it goes up to about 60%. And by the, if they get a third shot, most teams will score 80% of the time. And I don't remember where I saw that point. at some point. And, yeah, and, that's a great – And yeah. even, if it, even if the statistics were off a little bit, when I started telling my, my, my players that, and I go, 30, 60, 80, which one do you want to get? <laughs> they're, like, right. they're like, forget that, man. They're not getting a second shot. I'm like – good point and so that then we started to see that we started to see uh our we really took it to heart when we said uh no second shots plus we also knew if we got a quick rebound we could get it out in transition so everybody liked that idea get a rebound and go score exactly (laughs) yeah because you guys are a transition team on that and i i would love to talk to you later uh, maybe another podcast on what you do for your transition game, like specific drills, but we don't have time for this now. Um, but coach, my last question is this, your team has been very successful in tournament time. And I think tournament time, the teams that win are the toughest mentally. What do you do to help your teams be tough? Cause it's one and done. You lose, you're out. What do you do to help your team become tougher mentally at tournament time? For me personally, uh, my mindset going into every tournament time, you know, each year, there was three things that I I really tried to stress. Number one, the only pressure that's going to be put on us is the pressure we put on ourselves because we know how to do it. Go do it the way we know how to do it and do it the right way. 
the second thing I, I would tell them is uh, I'll, I'll have all the organization you need from the times we eat dinner to the times, you know, like when we, especially when we go to state, I have it completely an itinerary that each player has that tells them exactly what time we're getting up, what time we're eating breakfast, what we're going to do uh, that afternoon, game time, when we're going to eat dinner, everything was regimented. And so they, there was nothing that they ever had to try to wonder what was going to happen. And, and I think that took a lot of stress off of them knowing, Hey, this is how it's going to work. Okay. That's what we're going to do. And I think the, the, the mental toughness piece of this, and I, and I'll share this with, every coach that they, they may have a different viewpoint of this, but I'm telling you, your team has to be themselves. They can't be, they can't listen to the media. They can't listen to their parents. They can't listen to any out, outsiders. We talk about inner circle and inner circle dominance. We've got to make sure that we are dominant within our, our own mindset that nobody's going to beat us. And if they do, we're going to be the first one to, to shake their hands and tell them congratulations for beating the best team out there. And I think with that mentality, our, our girls were prepared. When we went to state, we were shocked when we got beat. We didn't expect to get beat. We were shocked when we got beat. And, and I can say in those last three years, only one team beat us. And then the, the next year when we played that same team who had all their players back, we beat them by 37. And, and that was our mindset. Our kids said never again. Uh, and I think that's important, you know, to have that mindset of inner, inner circle dominance. Leave everything else outside because that's where it belongs. Just take care of uh, the ones that are closest to you, and that's your teammates and your, your coaches. Yeah, and there's no doubt why you had that success because you had an organized plan. I think a lot of coaches go into the state tournament with absolutely – they go with a physical plan, Coach but they don't go with a mental plan, which I think is more important at tournament time. And that's, it sounds like that's what you did. Yeah. Don't, you know, and I, and that's advice I can give to every coach. Don't, don't overcoach. I mean, you, you, you prep your kids and, and I think this is important for us as coaches, you know, you prep, prep your kids all week. Uh, when it comes game time, don't, don't overcoach. Uh, let them go do what, what, what you've, what you've prepared them for. Um, most of the time they're going to, they're going to take care of the, the things that you've prepared them. And, and that's when you that's when you find out how good of a coaching job you did is when they take care of things without you having to tell them how to do it all the time. Yeah, that's a great point. Coach, I sure appreciate you coming on, taking the time out uh, to share your championship vision. Man, you got a great vision on how to build a program. And I know that great leaders and coaches have a powerful vision. They're able to get people to buy in, but also believe in. And I know your teams have done that. Um, I sure appreciate you sharing with me. I, I tell you, it's been great for you to take. I know it's been kind of a long time here talking to you, but I've sure enjoyed it. And I, I wish you the best with your family, your son, and uh, hopefully one of these days we can get you back to coaching again because I know uh, you're a tremendous coach. Well, I, Thank you for coming on. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, those coaches that are out there, keep coaching those kids up. And just remember, love them, but don't forget your family. Love them even more. Coaches, how can uh, I mean, Coach? How can my coaches and my listeners get a hold of you? Uh, they can they can email me. Uh, that's probably the best way to do it, and they can just uh, email me at uh, uh, Coach Rico at uh, gmail dot com, and it's just uh, Coach C O A C H, and then Rico R E H K O W at uh, gmail dot com. If they want to email me, and I, you know, 
ask about anything, they're they're more than welcome to do so. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, and you're also on Twitter as well, right? Yes, yes. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time out. Of course, it's 6 o'clock out here, so you guys, I know you guys are a little earlier, uh, but I appreciate you taking the time out to speak with me. Well, Have a great day. I, pre- I appreciate your uh, time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Coach. All right. Bye. This is Alan Stein, Jr. My new book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, will be available from all major book retailers on January 8th. Raise Your Game takes a rare peek behind the curtain and shows you what the top coaches and players in the game do during the unseen hours. I share their routines, rituals, and habits, as well as proven strategies that you can implement with your team immediately. If you want to maximize your coaching impact and influence, order your copy today at raiseyourgamebook.com.